Last week, I preached on the subject of praying according to the will of God. And as we focused on um, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15, which spoke about the fact that we should have confidence when we come before him. And the confidence that we have is that if we pray according to his will, he hears our prayers. And not only does he hear our, hear our prayers, but he answers them. So this week, as I focus continually on the will of God in prayer, this week I will complement that particular scripture and that particular message with the message entitled, The Spirit's Role in Praying According to God's Will. Because although, according to those scriptures in 1 John 5, 14 through 15, we are directed by God to align our prayers with his will. And although God gives us specific direction on how to pray according to his will, because he gives us prayers such as praying for the saints, praying for the lost, praying with thanksgiving, and as long as we lift up prayers along those lines, we are safe that we are in line with God's will as we pray at the same time because we are in the fallen state. We don't always pray perfectly according to God's will. And God, according to the psalmist, as we discussed last week, in Psalm 37, 4, he says to delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So outside of those specific prayers, that we know are aligned with God's will. We know that if we commune with God on a consistent basis, then God will place his desires in our heart, which well up in us as conviction, and those will be aligned with his will. But even outside of that, as I mentioned before, even outside of that, because of the fallen state that we're in, we still don't always pray consistently according to God's will. And therefore, the Spirit has a role in helping us to do exactly that. And that's what I'll be focusing on today. But before I preach that sermon, let's have a time of prayer. Dear God, we just come before you seeking your help. We ask that you please continue to help us to walk with you. Continue to strengthen us to persevere in our faith. Continue to help us to approach you confidently in prayer and to lift up prayers that are pleasing to you, prayers that are aligned with your desires for our lives and for your kingdom advancement. Help us in this way by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said, today I'll be preaching a message entitled the Spirit's role in praying God's will. And that particular message will be based on the scriptures found in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. So please open up your Bibles and go to the book of Romans, chapter 8. And I will start reading in verse 18 and take us all the way through verse 27. Now it says in verse 18... It says, for I consider 
that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And these are the scriptures that I'll be exposing today. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, these scriptures were written by the Apostle Paul as a part of the book of Romans. And as you know, he wrote this particular book to the believers who lived in Rome. And Paul wrote this book in order to further establish them in the gospel according to Jesus Christ. He also wrote it in order to prove to them that he was indeed an apostle appointed by God for the proclamation of his heavenly truths. And Paul goes about with these objectives by focusing in chapter 8 on the Holy Spirit's work in securing our salvation according to our belief in Jesus Christ. And as he focuses on the Holy Spirit's work in securing our salvation, he emphasizes the future glory that awaits each and every one of us who are sincere believers in Jesus Christ. That future glory when we will be presented before God and he will glorify us. In other words, he will complete our redemption. He will complete our restoration. And as Paul focuses on this future glory of us being completed in heaven, he speaks about the groanings that emanate from us as believers and the groanings that emanate from the creation, those groanings that express our desire to be set free from the fallen state that we're in, those groanings that express our desire to be set free from this body of flesh, this body of sin that is corrupted, that we are in. Because although we have a new nature in Jesus Christ, we are still in these fallen bodies. And because of it, we groan inwardly, as it says, in hopes of our complete and future redemption before God in heaven. 
And as the Apostle Paul emphasizes this aspect of our salvation, he also then enters and transitions to speaking about the Holy Spirit's work in interceding on our behalf. And he does so starting in verse 26 when he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And when he says likewise, he is focusing back on those groans that he explained, those groans that are being expressed by us as believers and by the creation, those groans that are being expressed of our desire to be freed from the fallen state that we are in and to be made perfect before God when our salvation progresses to the point of being complete and we are presented holy and blameless before God and he makes us perfect once again. And the Apostle Paul, after he establishes his focus back on those groanings, he goes on to say the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now when he says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, he is indicating that It is the Holy Spirit that resides in us, that helps us in our weakness. And when he says our weakness, he is not identifying or speaking about any specific weakness that we may possess. He is talking about our general human condition of being in a fallen state. And that although we possess a new nature in Jesus Christ, we, because we have not been made spiritually perfect, we are still weak. Because we're in these fallen bodies, we are still weak, and we still need the help of the Holy Spirit. And he says that the Spirit helps us in this weakness. And what he does there is that he's emphasizing the truth of the matter that as we progress in our salvation, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to persevere in our salvation. It is the Holy Spirit that enables us to live a life that is righteous before God. It is the Holy Spirit and he that indwells each and every believer that continues to strengthen us, to persevere, and to seek to please God and to seek to live according to his word because without his help, we would not be able to progress in our salvation, in our sanctification. We would not be able to continue to mature in the faith. So here the Apostle Paul points to the fact that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And there's other scriptures in the Bible, such as Philippians 2.12, that supports this truth. Please turn your Bibles to Philippians 2.12. Now there in Philippians 2.12, we find the Apostle Paul exhorting his brothers and sisters in Christ who made up the church at Philippi. And he exhorts them and warns them. And he tells them, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, when Paul says that it is God who works in you, he is indicating that it is the spirit of God that is alive and present within each and every one of us believers. And it is the spirit of God that indwells us, that 
enables us and empowers us to continue to progress in our salvation, to progress in our righteousness, to progress in living lives that are holy and blameless before God. It is the very Spirit of God at work within us that helps us to endure in this way. And after he lays those foundational truths down, he goes on to say, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. Now, when he says that we do not know how to pray as we ought, he is emphasizing the fact that although we are saved, although we are redeemed, although we have a new nature. We do not have a completely divine perspective. Because we have not been perfected, we do not have the complete mind of God. We do not understand all of our own spiritual needs. We don't even understand all of our fellow believers' spiritual needs. We don't understand all of the needs that God has for his kingdom. And because of this, we do not know how to pray as we ought. Because even the most fervent believer, even the most faithful believer, does not always pray according to the will of God because of the fallen state that we are in. Our prayers do not always align with the desires of God. It does not always align with the will of God. And even the most fervent believer falls short of this. And we see a great description of this in the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Please turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Now there we will find the account of the Apostle Paul and the thorn in the flesh or the messenger of Satan as he describes it that God has placed in his flesh to keep him from being prideful over the visions and the revelations of heaven that God had given to him. And in order to keep him from becoming prideful, this thorn was placed in his flesh, this messenger of Satan. And we don't know specifically who or what that thorn is. Many commentarians believe that that thorn in the flesh or that messenger of Satan were false teachers who were infiltrating the church and attacking his apostleship and assaulting those believers with false philosophies and doctrines. But we don't know specifically. But here, because the thorn in the flesh was so significant, the apostle Paul prayed to God three times. He pleaded with God for the thorn to be removed. And God then responded to him in verse 9 and said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So there we see an example of Paul, arguably the greatest of all the apostles, arguably one of the most faithful believers ever, praying a prayer that was not aligned with God's will. For his prayer was for the thorn to be removed. But God responded by saying, that is not my will. My will is for, for me to leave that thorn in your flesh and for you to depend on my grace in order to endure this trial that I have placed in your life in order to keep you from becoming prideful. So even the Apostle Paul himself, because of the 
fallen, corrupted body and flesh that he was in did not always pray according to the will of God. And so this is what the Apostle Paul is speaking to when he says that we do not pray for what we ought. But then he goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, when he says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, he is pointing to the fact that because each and every one of us possess the indwelling Holy Spirit within us, that that Holy Spirit, because he is God, he perfectly understands all of our needs, even the needs that we don't comprehend. He perfectly understands the needs of every believer in the world. He perfectly understands all of the needs of God and his kingdom advancement. And therefore, he intercedes on our behalf, meaning he prays to God on our behalf. And where we fall short in our prayers, he fills that gap. So he perfectly prays and intercedes for, on our behalf. And the word of God says through Paul that he intercedes with groanings too deep for words. And when he says groanings, he is pointing back to those expressions, those inward expressions of us desiring to be freed from our fallen bodies and to be glorified before God in heaven, to be made complete and perfect. And when he talks about those groanings, he goes on to say that those groanings are cannot even be expressed in words. He's pointing to the fact that human language, human words can't even express those prayers that are being lifted up by the Holy Spirit to God. He's pointing to the fact that those prayers that are being prayed by the Holy Spirit on our behalf cannot even be expressed in sounds because it's inaudible. It is divine communication between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. It is divine articulation between the Holy Spirit and God the Father. And because it's between the first and the third person of the Trinity, it is beyond our human comprehension. It is outside of our human understanding, that divine communication that happens between the Holy Spirit and God the Father on our behalf. And Jesus Christ himself plays a pivotal role in those intercessory prayers because Jesus Christ, our high priest in heaven, sits at the right hand of God and he comes along with the Holy Spirit and intercedes on our behalf. So they intercede together. They work together to present our prayers to God. They work together to advocate on our behalf. That is the very reason why we remain righteous before God, because both the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, our high priest in heaven, represents us before God and continually advocate for our righteousness before God. And not only do they advocate for our righteousness, they both work from the point of conversion to help us progress in our salvation to the point to where they bring us and present us holy and blameless before God, and he glorifies us and completes our redemption in heaven. 
And we see a great example of and a great attesting to this truth that Jesus Christ, our high priest in heaven, is interceding on our behalf. We see that right in Hebrews 7.25. Please turn your Bibles to Hebrews 7.25. Now, once you're there, you'll see the scriptures by the writer of Hebrews as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit, speaking to the fact that Jesus Christ is our great high priest in heaven, and he intercedes on our behalf to the point of our salvation progressively to the point that we are being glorified before God. Because it says there in Hebrews 7.25, it says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. So that's pointing to the fact that Jesus Christ is in heaven right now. He is alive in heaven, interceding on our behalf. He is carrying our prayers to the Father, and even those unknown needs, he carries them to the Father, along with the Holy Spirit. They are working together to bring about our progressive salvation to the point that we are being made perfect in heaven. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf in this loving way, and what a great helper we have in both of them. Amen? Yes, and as Paul speaks about these heavenly truths, he then goes on in verse 27 and he says, and he who searches hearts. And when he says he who searches hearts, he's speaking directly about the Father, the first person of the Trinity. And he's speaking to God's omniscience. And because God is omniscient, meaning he knows absolutely everything, he knows the end from the beginning. Because he is omniscient, he knows the heart of each and every man and woman on earth. He knows all of our thoughts, all of our plans. Because as the scriptures say, God is not concerned with our outward appearance. He is concerned with our heart. In other words, he is concerned with our minds and what's happening within our minds. He's concerned about the motivations of our hearts. God's primary concern in searching our hearts is to know whether or not our deeds, all that we do here on earth, is being done to glorify him. Therefore, he searches all hearts. And we see a great description of this in 1 Chronicles 28.9. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 28.9. And once you get there, you will partake of the account of King David charging his son Solomon with the building of the temple. And if you recall that account, King David had appealed to God in heaven to allow him to build a temple where the Ark of the Covenant would reside. However, God did not allow him to build that temple because he said that he was a man of blood, he was a man of war. And therefore, God then commanded him to charge his son Solomon with the building of the temple. And in that charge, we see King David speaking about the omniscience of God and how he searches the hearts of men. 
For as King Solomon gave that charge to David there in verse 9, and he says to him, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Serve him with the whole heart and with the willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. So that substantiates the fact that God knows all of our hearts. He knows all of our plans. He knows all of our thoughts. He knows both our past, present, and our future thoughts. And he searches our hearts to see whether or not we are living our lives. We are engaging in our deeds in order to glorify him. Because as the scriptures say, that all that we do should be done to glorify God. And after Paul touches on those truths, he goes on to say, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit. So there the apostle Paul is highlighting the fact that because God the Father and the Holy Spirit form two persons of the Godhead, with the third person being Jesus Christ, he's pointing to the fact that they are one. And because they are one God, God the Father knows the mind of the Holy Spirit because they have the same mind. And because they have the same mind, their will is identical. Because they have the same mind, their desires are inseparable. Because they have the same mind, they're unified in their will, in their desires for each and every one of our lives and for the advancement of his kingdom. So therefore, the Apostle Paul says with certainty that God knows the mind of the Spirit. And because they are one God, because their wills are identical, he goes on to say that the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, when he says that the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God, he is further affirming that because they are one God, because they have the same mind, because they have the same will, every time the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf, it is perfectly aligned with God's will. Every time he prays on our behalf, it is perfectly unified with God's desires. Every time he prays on our behalf, it perfectly complements all that God desires for our lives. So we should gain great confidence when we go before God. We should be further emboldened that although when we pray, sometimes our prayers don't align itself perfectly with the word of God. Sometimes we do not cover everything that we're supposed to cover in our prayers. But we should have the confidence that where we fall short, we are confident that we are covered by the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit covers us in prayer. The Holy Spirit covers us when he intercedes on our behalf. The Holy Spirit covers each and every one of our needs. The Holy Spirit covers each and every one of every believer's needs. The Holy Spirit covers all of the needs that God desires for his kingdom. We are covered through the intercessory work of the Holy Spirit and through the intercessory work of Jesus Christ, who will both be faithful to bring us before God when he calls us home to heaven and then glorifies us, restores us to a perfect state, 
completes our redemption. We should draw great security from that, great comfort from those truths. And of course, if there's anyone who's worshiping with us who aren't confident in their salvation, if there's anyone worshiping with us who don't have the security that these scriptures speak about, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you don't have this security. But God in his love, he extends this offer to each and every person that if you simply accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he will guarantee you the gift of salvation. The Holy Spirit will indwell you and he will intercede on your behalf and bring you to the point of being redeemed fully before God and glorified in heaven. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you.